0: Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast.
1: Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating.
2: The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing
1: civic education in the places we are. On our phones.
2: And in the language we speak. <laughs> yes, know we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because <laughs> politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov podcast. I feel a little unlike myself because I'm wearing glasses, which really was an interesting revelation I had this week because I got prescribed these glasses like years ago, like 2019, I like never wear them. And I realized lately it's like they're, my eyes are like fuzzy, but I can still read and like function fine. But I really like, honestly, over the years, I totally forgot about my glasses. And I was like, thought I was just kind of like living in a state of like brain fog for the past three years, just because like everything's Uh -uh. just been a little fuzzy. And I'm just like, you know, life just
0: doesn't,
2: it doesn't come through as clear. And I thought it was like something with like my mental. And then I was like, wait a second, like maybe it's my eyes. And so I booked an eye exam. I have it tomorrow. And then I was like, okay, well, let me also like pull out my old glasses, pulled them out. And I put them on. I'm like, it's so clear. It's
1: everything's so clear.
2: Am I okay? Just it's like you
1: literally woke up from like a weird dream.
2: No, it's literally. I thought I just had like a perpetual state of brain fog for years. That
1: well, see, that was me, and then I realized that I have ADHD and dyslexia. So you know, it's (laughs) between the two of us. We're doing great. Everyone, give Four Eyes your (laughs) best wishes. Anyways. Um, one last thing before we get into this, because I think this is so funny. I think last week were we talking about Hinge things? I can't even remember. But Probably. But you would be remiss. Basically, I'm putting you on the hot seat. In the hot seat. Yeah. On the hot seat. Do you sit on the hot seat or in it? I don't know. Whatever. Hot seats are involved. Maddie got an iconic Hinge response. Yeah. And I just think you might need to start a Hall of Fame. Yeah.
2: Perhaps. We should. It's rare that anyone's going to talk about politics like on hinge these men these men mm-hmm. probably often see you know my title and my occupation and like just run for the hills immediately which is fine it's a good vetting well, system wait i'm okay
1: i have this prompt that's like i've never i think it's like a never have i ever prompt i've never had a toaster strudel so boring but like i really haven't so <laughs> my trying to be pg like that's not pg that's g anyways He responded something about, like, Gretchen Wieners, like, from Mean Girls, but I literally read it as Gretchen Whitmer. Like, I was like, this guy's trying to talk to me about Gretchen Whitmer. Love it. Absolutely, like, (laughs) iconic. How do you know that was
2: my love language?
1: It's fine. And then I was like, oh, anyways, Maddie, your hinge prompt.
2: (laughs) My hinge prompt. So I have one that says, one thing I'd like to know about you is who is your hall pass? Just a fun question, you know? See who they say. And... This guy said, Lauren Boebert, preferably at an off-Broadway show, which was just so good, funny, political humor. We love to see it. We never see it. Mm -hmm. And I just said, no one can ever beat this response. He said, when it comes to reaching second base, she never... (laughs) I can't believe I didn't show you this part. (laughs) What he said. He said, when it comes to reaching second base, she never filibusters.
1: (laughs) That is, that's that is all of me. He doubled down. He's a yeah. whole same two timer. That is, yeah, so good.
2: He's funny. But Yeah, I haven't responded
1: Definitely yet, but okay, here's he's here he six ladder. five. Oh, he's hot then. Automatically, <laughs> who cares about the face?
2: <laughs> he's he's 33. Okay, so he's well, you're your older.
1: Middle, so how much older is
2: You're two years, he's ago, right. He would be six years older than me. But no, had to obviously share that one because
1: okay
2: a plus, bravo. Mm. But with that said, and with all of that said, we should get into our episode because we have a really great one, and an important one, and a pretty long one because there's so much to get into, so much to talk about, so much to break down. So Samantha, will you introduce our guest?
1: I will. Like many said, the super important episode that we are so excited about. Obviously, with Everything going on with Israel Hamas and beyond anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, all of these things that have been exploding over the last few weeks. And honestly, we're kind of bubbling under the surface for the last few years. We have seen an insane amount of misinformation, propaganda, just the most insane things going viral on the Internet, misinforming people, creating actual violence as a result, really crazy, scary things. And so we wanted to figure out a way in which we could bring some media literacy to Paul. We ourselves are still always students of learning better skills for understanding the media that we are seeing, whether it's on social media, whether it's reading a news article, whether it's looking at cable news, whatever it is, we're still always learning as well. And so, like we said, we wanted to bring in someone that could walk us through tips and tricks for being more media literate and Understanding what's going on on the internet and how we can be better students of not just the internet and our media resources, but also the world. So nonetheless, we brought in what we would say is, I think that he would say this is like the perfect person to have on for sure. Right. So we have Katie Sanders, who is the editor in chief of PolitiFact. If you guys have seen like the Truthometer, Mm-hmm. and the what is it like the pants on fire situation <laughs> yeah. especially like coming out of like the trump era which we're kind of still in you might have seen put fact out and about fact-checking things all over the damn internet so anyways without further ado here is katie sanders Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
2: If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media.
1: And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media
2: consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral.
1: And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content.
2: And number three in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting. We are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice.
1: So head to girlandthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when Pro says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick.
2: And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health.
1: They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf.
2: And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one in a million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back.
1: Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. pros.com slash girlandgov
0: all right.
1: Hi, Katie. Welcome to Girl and Luke of the Podcast. We are so excited to have you, and what a time to be having you on the podcast. Mm, it is such a time indeed. It's nice <laughs> to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. And what we are going to get into today is, of course, fact-checking, media literacy, and all the many you know avenues that spring off of those two topics. And you're the editor-in-chief at Little Fact. And so those that might not be familiar with PolitiFact. Can you tell us, you know, what you guys do,
3: what's the mission, how it all works? So PolitiFact is a team of journalists, um, reporters, and editors who are really dedicated to sorting out the truth in a very confusing world of political spin, mis- and disinformation, and so on. We started in 2007 as a project of the St. Petersburg times newspaper. It's now the Tampa Bay times, but it was just supposed to be an experiment. What if we called out false statements from people who are trying to become the president? And Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I didn't join until 2011, 2012, but their experiment to fact check candidates vying for the highest office in the land was a smash success. People really enjoyed this form of journalism, calling out um, statements that are false, or half true, that used to be our most popular rating for a while on our truth meter because journalism at the time was just focused on getting comment, getting counter-comment without ever saying who's actually right, who's actually exaggerating. And so PolitiFact started as a way to just give voters and readers the truth, to saying who is right and holding politicians accountable. So we've really evolved since then, particularly after the 2016 election, to focus really half of our efforts on fact-checking viral online mis- and disinformation. So we're on all the platforms doing this kind of fact-checking work, tracking misinformation as it spreads across platforms. So meta products, Twitter, TikTok, those are the main ones that we follow really closely. And we've grown to be this pretty big team of 23 journalists, I think. And it used to just be like a third of that. So we're spread all over the country, Washington, <laughs> D.C., St. Petersburg, Florida, where I'm based at the Pointer Institute for Media Studies. And we're just a very proud nonprofit newsroom that really sees our work as a public service.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. And how did you get into this work specifically? I mean, is it kind of like always a pipeline from journalism into kind of like this world of fact fact checking? Can you kind of give the background on that?
3: I was a political reporter. I was actually a baby reporter when I started writing for PolitiFact. I was based at the Tampa Bay Times and Miami Herald's Tallahassee Bureau. I was at the bottom of the ladder, answering office phone calls and trying to write stories on the side. And I was really drawn to this PolitiFact project that had won a Pulitzer Prize in 2009. And I was asked to replicate what PolitiFact does at the national level on our Florida level. So instead of fact-checking the president, I was fact-checking the governor or fact-checking state lawmakers who really aren't used to being asked for evidence for their statements the way people at the national level had come to expect. So I just got a kick out of being that one person in the room who would follow up with the politicians, say like, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm from PolitiFact, what do you mean when you say this claim? And they would actually turn politifact into a verb in their speeches. I remember the attorney general at the time would, she was giving a speech about like the BP oil spill. And she said like, you know, she either said like, y'all can politifact me on this or don't politifact me on that. (laughs) You know, and I just felt like I, I beamed a little bit because like that shows our influence and our impact and that what we do, the politicians are paying attention to it and readers are certainly consuming it and valuing it. So I just great branding. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We've seen a lot of shout outs for better or worse (laughs) over the years. We know that we're we're in their heads a bit, but I think that's good. I think that's good to encourage politicians to be more accurate by reminding them that there are fact checkers in the room who will report out and, and point out when they don't have evidence to back their claims.
1: Totally. Well, you know, you've made it when you become a verb. Like, I think that really just brings you into a whole new territory. So that's always super exciting to see. And I think, you know, the question becomes, you know, why is independent fact checking so important? Like, what is the impact of having fact checkers? And that might be just a huge question that could, you know, really span hours and hours. But in sort of, you know, succinct terms, you know, why is
3: that so, so important? Independent journalism is so important for our democracy and I, our citizens need to know what goes into it, what makes it independent, what makes it special and some, and trustworthy. And we have seen as fact-checking has become more popular, it has also become more weaponized, more politicized. Sometimes presidential campaigns on both sides will Put on the hat of a fact checker as they are you know offering commentary and critiques on their opponents in the debates and they come out with their fact check you know and that is very different from what politifact does because politifact calls it both ways and Mm -hmm. we are not going into our fact check reporting or our stories you know with necessarily knowing with, with an with a with a dishonest objective what am i trying to say Every time we start a new story, we approach it with an open mind. We ask the candidate who made the statement, what are you talking about? <laughs> In a very polite way, we ask, What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, what are you referencing? Is it this story that we found? Or is it something else? We give them a chance to explain what their statement is all about. And then we do our own analysis. And that is that analysis includes reading deeply into the, the internet's repository of news articles or medical research or academic journals. And then we are calling up sources and emailing them and asking for their perspective across a a spectrum of political views. And so because we are independent, because we're open-minded, because we're also very thorough and wanting to draw conclusions that are based on evidence, but pointed, that is really hard to replicate. And we see partisans try to replicate this all the time. So the very short way of answering this is that our independent journalism produces answers at a time where it's very complicated to figure out what's true and what's not. There's just so much information out there on the internet about anything and it's hard to tell like who's really writing this who's really behind this this study says this what does the rest of it say we do this on a full-time basis every day and it's really tough but yeah because we are not partisan we go into it really faithfully and we have the time to sort it out totally and
1: i think obviously so important for those reasons but even you know in terms of what politicians are literally saying at debates. I was looking at the Chris Christie one of like some of his claims. And it is so interesting, like how someone can say something with just such a confident voice that you're like, oh, that's probably true. Like if you're not thinking critically or you're not thinking like, let me double back and see the reality of it. And we have so many spaces these days where people get a microphone, like a podcast, but also obviously across social media and debate stages and whatnot, where I think it looks like it becomes even harder to sort of figure out, okay, where's all this information or misinformation coming from? And like, how do we fact check it? And so I'm curious from your perspective, like how that shifted as social media has come into, you know, the forefront and become such this catalyst for information. Like, how do you guys try and essentially stop the bleed?
3: Well, I'm really struck by your Chris Christie example because it, it does so much to explain what we do and then how we are human and how we come back to things after the moment has passed. This was a comment Chris Christie made at the Republican debate about Ukraine and about what he sees as the US's obligation to support Ukraine. So that Chris Christie example is great for explaining what we do. Um, At the Republican debate in Miami, he said in 1992, this country made a promise to Ukraine. We said, if you return nuclear missiles that were part of the old Soviet Union to Russia and they invade you, we will protect you. And to be honest, when he made this comment at the debate, it didn't really stand out as something that we needed to jump on right away. Mm-hmm. By that point, we were already knee deep in fact check work. <laughs> yeah, between I'm sure. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, you know, some of the, fr- the front runners for this number two spot behind Donald Trump. They were talking about China and abortion and it just seemed like there were a lot of other points of dispute. Mm -hmm. but so we didn't cover it the night of the debate. Like we did 20 other statements and the next morning our editing team got together and I asked, um, so what do we need to follow up on from the debate? You know, we want to publish while the interest is still kind of there if we're going to do anything at all. And one of our editors, her name's Miriam said, Oh, Chris Christie said something about Ukraine and you know, how we agreed in many years ago to protect them if they were invaded by Russia because they turned over their nuclear arsenal. And she said, I just found an NPR article. It looks like it's kind of true, but it might be interesting. And I think that 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 really, this anecdote says a lot about PolitiFact's approach and how we stay open-minded throughout. Because our editor just wanted to look at this because it might teach people something. And she's, her initial scan for supporting information found a news article that talked about Ukraine turning over its missiles and the U.S. telling them something. But when we started looking around to it, into it, we found that this is actually something we fact-checked over the years (laughs) and rated pretty harshly. It got a false rating for different language a few years ago. So we took a fresh look at the evidence and we looked at the nuances, but we actually gave this a mostly false rating. You know, it was signed in a different year. That's, that's not a huge deal. But this firm promise that Chris Christie and other people have said over the years is actually not so firm. And people who are involved with the deal at the time are on the record saying that. So it's it's one of those statements where you do have to dig a lot deeper. And it would be challenging as a, a casual citizen observing the debate to have any idea about how yeah. true that statement was in the moment.
2: Totally. Yeah. I think that is definitely one that would just like go right under my nose and I would have no idea. And it's like also one that's not super, I guess, I mean, it's a big topic, but it's not something where, like, like you said, like there's reproductive rights and climate change and these big issues being talked about. And so it's just so easy for stuff like that to go under. And I think even tapping into kind of what Sam was talking about earlier, it's also just like, as a human, you kind of have this like inherent just like thought to just trust people, like when they're saying something you're like, you wouldn't just like be spewing a fact for no reason. It's not true. And so it's just like hard to really, really break all the information down and like dissect what could be wrong, especially things that like aren't so like the Vivek being, you know, like climate change is a hoax or, you know, like just these big, especially these days and there's just these big statements being made in the political space, but also curious to like how... There's obviously your team that goes in and like fact check certain things, but is there a way people can maybe submit suggestions to be fact-checked if they hear something? Do you guys have any kind of democratization of the fact-checking?
3: Absolutely. We love reader requests. Probably a fifth of the things that we publish on our website were prompted by a reader emailing me or emailing a reporter or our um, general inbox a specific tip and asking if it's true. And so that inbox is truthometer at politifact.com. That is monitored by a real person every day, multiple times a day. (laughs) He actually just got a tip about Thanksgiving meals that came up at the White House press briefing yesterday with a reader who tried to do a little research, but it's like handing it over to us, you know, so that happens (laughs) a lot, but we're also on all the platforms. And so we, we talk to our audiences, particularly on Instagram and TikTok, and we get tagged in things all the time. And so also later today, we will publish a fact check of a TikTok post that was making a rather convoluted argument about inflation and the war in Gaza. So Mm -hmm. we take tips all the time. You can find us at PolitiFact on most platforms. I wish I could just
2: like submit things from my personal life and be like, is this true?
3: But this person oh, like,
2: really say that? <laughs>
3: like, some gossip. Like, <laughs> Regular conversation. Yeah. yeah. But if oh you God. see a, like a meme or, you know, like a an Instagram story or things that seem fleeting, but really do get in people's heads, that's yeah. the kind of stuff we're yes, interested totally. in seeing.
2: Yeah. I think that's definitely something that is so pertinent these days. And especially right now, it's just all the things being posted on stories, on personal accounts. And that's, I think a good use of the tool as well, you know, to check in on what's being posted.
3: I also think that a lot of people who have joined the fact-checking space in recent years, because it has grown with the popularity of social media, there are some organizations that will only write about things that are wrong. And Mm. certainly there's a big service in correcting the record. And, you know, you could do this full time just listening out for things that are wrong. But PolitiFact has always celebrated I well, I'm not gonna say celebrated, but we've always been interested in the murky middle. And so mm. that's why our truth the meter, you know, not a scientific instrument, but it's our it's our rating system, begins with true, goes to mostly true, half true before you start getting to mostly false, false in our fan favorite pants on fire we acknowledge that part of what makes spin difficult to parse is that it's clever. And so you do have these statements that are sort of onto something but are leaving out a lot of yeah. context too. Totally. And so that's why our, our bar for deciding whether to do a fact check is, is it interesting? Like put aside everything else. Will anyone care about this or would, mm-hmm. would they be interested in knowing whether it's really true? And so I think the Chris Christie fact check that we talked about fits that model yeah. because it was interesting and might be true, but turned out not to be true.
1: Totally. And I feel like these things are just so easily repeated. Like you hear a statement and you go, oh, well, it seems true. Like, and then you end up in a conversation about Ukraine and what's happening with funding. And you're like, well, Chris Christie said XYZ thing. So, and it seems like historical context, even when again, it doesn't hit quite right on the truth meter. And so, I'm so curious in terms of the misinformation that you guys see, like what really is misinformation and what is disinformation? Like what are those two things and how do you guys contend with
3: them? Yeah, I don't want to sound too much like an academic because I'm not, but mm. you know, the classic difference between those terms is misinformation is moral encompassing. It's, it's just information that is wrong. You don't know what went into it necessarily, but you know that it's traveling across the, the web or you know other media. And it is just furthering false narratives. It differs from disinformation, which is more specific and for our purposes, harder to prove, which is that it is traveling with the intention to deceive. It is basically a, a known confirmed lie and that it was deliberately created to fool people. Mm-hmm. Not all misinformation can necessarily be, is necessarily disinformation. Sometimes people are just wrong. They didn't know they were wrong, right? Yeah. And so that's that's the difference. And I would say we, so we can do our reports more quickly. <laughs> we tend to focus on cr- misinformation. And what I like to do, but what takes more time is proving that it's disinformation. But people really kind of overuse both of these terms to the point where they have a bit of a cliche feel. Yeah. And, and so I think we have to watch for that, you know, those terms, just like fake news before it have been totally weaponized by people who want to undermine the effort. And so, and, and kind of water down the definition, but I appreciate you asking, you know, what are we talking about here? Because there are distinctions for people who care to know them.
2: Yeah. How do you decipher the intent behind it? You know, like the Chris Christie thing, for example, like, do we know that that was you know, intentionally the wrong information that he was pushing out or did they just get it wrong? Like, how do you really get to the core of the intention? I feel like that's so hard to to do, especially because it kind of comes down to just like the human and what their agenda might be.
3: Yeah. That's a really tough one because we don't know what's in his head. And for Most of the fact checks that we produce, you know, we may hear back from the candidates, but we don't know that they knew it was wrong when they made the claim. So that's why this is another hot button topic in the fact checking world. But that's why we don't use the word lie, except for once a year when we announce our lie of the year, which we'll do in a few (laughs) weeks, (laughs) because we don't have the confidence to say, to speak to somebody's intention most of the time. And so I think that over the years, you've seen some loosening up around some claims that are at this point clearly lies, which is, uh, I think the election lie, the 2020 election lie is probably something where, you know, we kind of have (laughs) started, we accept that this is now known, a confirmed lie. You know, it's flies in the face of all the available evidence, but we don't use that casually and we don't use it routinely to discuss political speech that we cover because we just think it kind of, it's almost a distraction to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I feel like it could be weaponized in and of itself of like, you lied, no, you lied. And then it just becomes a back and forth. And it's away from like what the actual facts or lack there facts or somewhere in the middle actually were. Like you're no longer paying attention to the meat of it. You're just paying attention to a bunch of people pointing at each other and calling each other liar, which while entertaining and probably worthy of some Hollywood award, not obviously helpful in terms of people understanding, you know, the world around them. And so with that, I'm really curious what tips you would have for people Looking at social media, looking at news articles, trying to figure out, OK, like what red flag should I look for when something might be a little
3: shady? You know, what is a little sus? Where do people look? Yeah, you really get it. I think that. The past few years have been really tough with, you know, the the trend in our country being really intense polarization, you know, there's really no faith given, good faith given to the opposing side. And I think that, you know, the way I scroll social media, sometimes the way it's pretty common for people to scroll social media is you see things and you kind of accept them and you don't do a lot of deeper digging and that can be really dangerous. And so we encourage people to just treat social media in ways that are not that it's not that much work. And I think this is really important with the Israel Hamas war going on. People feel very, very intensely, and there are a lot of very intense claims being thrown about. And so before you pick a fight or before you post something you agree with, it's important to pause and look at the source of the claim. Is it who is making the claim? And do they have an investment or a bias that you should know about? Doesn't make it wrong but you should know about it before you share it, right? So look at who is making it first. And then open up a window in a browser and search them. Like, so you can find out more about this group from a neutral source. Like even Wikipedia, honest to God, counts as like a a good starting point for understanding like, okay, this group says it's nonpartisan, but if you look at their funders and you look at what they produce, there's uh, an, a definite bias here, right? And the, the next tip is that you could do a five to 10 minute Google deep dive using fact checker techniques that are really not trade secrets. <laughs> and I think the most effective one that we use all the time is you know a keyword search to see if this claim has been fact checked. That's usually one of our first steps. So like the Chris Christie example, I was able to find that we had fact checked this six years ago because I went PolitiFact, Ukraine, nuclear treaty, Russia agreement, you know, that turned up way more information than if I was just starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of on the more complicated side. But when we're talking about everyday mis and disinformation, a reverse image search is going to get you so far, knowing how to right click and use a Google reverse image search. What that does is it tells you where this image has popped up online before if it has and what we're finding with this conflict in gaza is a lot of like everyday cheap tricks that are kind of working to deceive people but they're presenting old images from different time periods different countries different activities and presenting it as if it's from coming from this war and That is something that you can easily find out for yourself by just doing a reverse image search. So that is going to get you really far that and kind of searching the web, like a fact checker. And I just kind of think if you're going to use the internet, you're going to use social media. You got to do it. You got to train yourself and have better practices. That's the only way that we're going to move forward toward a better yeah, the online ecosystem, right? We have to. Have you have skills. to do
2: it. Yeah, you have to do it. If something's gonna spark that big of an emotional response in you, like you should always make sure that that response, emotional response, is like a valid response, and that you know doing that research is so crucial, especially if then you're gonna share it and cause that emotional response in another person, in another person. It's like your drop in the bucket really matters, especially in the day in social media, where it's just massive ripple effects, right? So. It's just such crucial research that needs to be done for
3: sure. And it and it usually doesn't take that long. It's not that yeah. big of a chunk of your day,
0: but it so can I go think so that far. Em-
3: that emotional response is really key watching yourself and knowing yourself and mm-hmm. what you are inclined to agree with or strongly disagree with and mm-hmm. doing a check on it. You know, our reporters have feelings about the world, right? Even though they're professional journalists, they know right. how to keep those kind of in check and keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. And so we're probably more. Well, I think we are, I'll just say we are more discerning about online content than probably most people because we're used to being, we just see it every day. We're used to being fooled, but it does kind of like, it does kind of stop you in ways that are a little silly sometimes. So I would be mortified if I shared something that was wrong, even in like a text, you know, I would be so mortified, but this recently came up with like the Travis Kelsey tweets. (laughs) 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 They're like, I had to do some research before i shared this screenshot because i was like surely this is made up surely he did not spell squirrel this way surely there's not a whole page of chipotle and i was wrong i was gonna ask if you
2: guys do some pop culture fact-checking as well
3: (laughs) not as much as i would like we have our hands very full but we right. do like a pop culture fact check, like around the Super Bowl or the Grammys. We we fact check movies that are based on historical events. We did a story on Oppenheimer and how it lined up with the historical record. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, we we've done that for a few years now. We we love a chance to like get out of the mm-hmm. um, the darkness. The darkness. <laughs> so, yeah, was, that
2: was the word I was thinking of as well. <laughs> well, we also wanted to ask about propaganda, and I. I'm specifically super curious. So just modern day propaganda and social media and the internet. Um, I think when I learned about propaganda, like in high school, it was like the cute version and world war II, And I just think there's different variations these days. And I'm just super curious kind of what you guys see again, specifically with like the social media lens on it.
3: I think that this conflict is very much like still brewing. So I don't know if I have enough perspective on it in Israel and Gaza Hamas, But, you know, last year, we gave our Lie of the Year Award to Vladimir Putin for the lies he told about Ukraine to justify the war. And we identified several claims that he had made to justify the invasion, February 2022. And I think that because these are statements that are made to try to shape public opinion so Mm -hmm. clearly, and do represent sometimes like a little teeny kernel of truth but are distorting things in such a way, I think that is fair to call propaganda. Do we use that word on our website? Not in a regular way, like at all, because we're just more focused on identifying the specific statements um, regardless of what form they really take. But I think one thing that separates propaganda from run-of-the-mill mill misinfo is sometimes coordination. And I think we saw some of this spreading around like Russian controlled social media accounts during the war's early months to discredit Ukraine. We would see things get, I'd have to like look up our specific examples, but I just remember there were different consulates and embassy counts around the world sharing things on Twitter that were either, you know, denying some brutality that had happened against Ukrainians or were spreading claims about uh, U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine that were, you know, researching bioweapons and things like that, where you could see that there was coordination or there was at least like, we couldn't see the message to coordinate this, right? Right. But you could, Mm -hmm. you could tell that the government apparatus was sort of instructing it was understood they should repeat this line Mm -hmm. and so like i said I, i i'm not sure i have enough perspective on the the current situation but we saw this a lot with ukraine and russia
1: totally makes sense yeah i was also curious and maybe i don't know if this is like in this direction but like we get like a lot of if i'm scrolling on our tiktok feed a lot of like really weird things like all in russian or we'll get some like very weird like Like videos that are very specific to communism and like promotion of communism and like, look, people have different views on politics. Not my, you know, place to say how people view these different things. But for us, like, I'm linking mostly dog videos, so I'm I'm personally confused how on our feed we're getting these videos and almost too. I then, of course, I question like, what's the purpose? Like, why is this being served to us? And you know, what's the goal here? Because If again we're like going
3: towards like what content we like, like it's not lining up with cute dogs and little hats. I'm very curious about that myself. My own, you know, TikTok feed is what I would consider a largely happy place that has very little to do with people shouting at each other. The way my Mm -hmm. Twitter account is or Facebook is, it's a lot of Taylor Swift videos, as you might have picked up. It's a lot of (laughs) style and like apartment stuff, you know. So I guess in my personal experience, I don't have that flash up a lot. Um, but I do hear from our team. We have a team of contributors who are actually moderating misinformation on TikTok. And this is something that we do in partnership with TikTok. And that is where, that's how I'm aware of conspiracy theories that are circulating on TikTok that don't yeah. make their way into my feed, but have been flagged by their, their own staff as like potentially problematic. So You know, it's not always, we don't have like hours and hours to investigate some of these claims, but some of it is easily debunkable, if that's a word. It is now. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we get like good ideas for fact checks out of it because, you know, clearly it's something that could be causing harm. We should like, we should do more to call it out and publish a story. But we see a lot of conspiracy theories about. X, Y, and Z pop up on TikTok. And I think a lot of it lately has been centered around the Israel-Hamas war. And so it's it's definitely distressing, but we do have unique kind of window into that. Whether it's communist propaganda is not something that I, you know, there's so much controversy around TikTok and its parent company. And that's just not something I feel like I know that I've seen myself because the nature of this, the stuff that's being surfaced to us are just, it's more just stuff that's up our wheelhouse conspiracy theory content. So anyway, I, if you want to yeah. take a screenshot or shit, send it to totally. me next time it pops up. That sounds super random and concerning.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
1: this act- actually makes me excited because now I have something to send in. So.
2: Yeah. Stay tuned there us. we go. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue too. Cause we kind of want to talk about like, Videos and images, I know you talked about like reverse image searches and doing all of that, but super curious when it comes to videos, how you go about figuring out the legitimacy of a video that you see on social media. What's what's the best tools and practices for, you know, deciphering what's legit?
3: Well, we have such a concern now with generative AI and... This is something that I wish there were more tools, but there's still some strategies for finding finding the truth. But this is kind of like if you wanted to be a take a master class in fact checking, you would mm-hmm. want to consider doing some of this. I think one thing our team always does when we look at a video is we we study it really closely and we look for other kinds of context. You know, what else is happening in this video if it doesn't necessarily if we if we suspect it may not line up with the caption of the video. And one way you can do that is by taking a screenshot of, of a key moment in the frame where things are clear and running a reverse image search. That sometimes works for fact checking a video is to kind of fact check it like an image by making it an image. Yeah. So that's that's one kind of way. But you know, we like to pay attention to other Features in the video? Is there a specific building in the background that we could research and try to line up? Is there a? This is coming up today with a fact check of a a flag that was being raised on a building in Gaza, an Israeli flag. And this will be on our website later. But it's tricky because the people spreading the video were saying this is the hospital, Al Shiva Hospital that the Israeli military just took over, just raided, and they're they're waving a flag over a hospital with dying people inside, you know, you know, the commenter said something with like an eye roll, you know. And there's not a lot of context to the casual viewer. You would just kind of assume that like, okay, I guess that's the hospital, the rooftop, the rooftop of the hospital. That's what they're saying. But it's actually, you know, it does look like a flag was being raised, but it's on a different building. It's on like a a UN school that is not far, but we were able to see that there the word the letters UN are kind of featured in the video, and so that kind of that's a marker where you can do a little bit more more reporting. And we basically went to the UN itself and said, "Is this one of your buildings?" And they said, "It's one of our schools in the area." So again, it's still the flag being raised over this area that's been just decimated, but it's not the hospital. And I think that has a different, that provokes a different emotional response. Things are not black and white, you know, but that's just kind of an example of things that, that we do to add a little bit more clarity. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's like, literally, if people
1: could do the FBI, like ex-boyfriend stalking of pictures like this, you'd be in a better spot. And I just, if anyone listening is going to a breakup, yeah, bring that same energy. But I am curious to the point that you brought about AI, which personally has been giving me nightmares for the last like a year of just like what that means and how we regulate it. Because from my biased opinion, I feel like we really missed the boat on social media and being able to not have monopolies with relation to these big companies and market share. And so I worry even more so with AI and being able to literally create fake images, fake videos literally like fake pundits, you know, what what you're sort of seeing in terms of AI on these, on either social media or media in general, and what you think like some of the tools people can use and take with them to identify that something is AI.
3: So my perspective for people, from the perspective of like a fact-checking group that is looking for AI. And it's also very worried about it and wanting to be on top of it. I have to say that most of the false content we're seeing around the Israel Hamas war is kind of relying on old strategies. It's not all about AI. so I kind of think that's good because it is easier to sort out. And so a lot of the misinformation we've seen is like people using this sophisticated video game called Arma 3, where you can kind of like create worlds and stage conflicts. I don't know. I don't play the game, but I've seen a lot of it because people are saying like, wow, look at these missiles flying into Israel. And it's from the game. Like if you just really study it, it is, it is separate. It, it's almost convincing, but it's not actual footage. Right. And then there's the the photos from a few years ago that are being presented out of context or photos from a different building that are being presented out of context. We haven't seen a lot of AI content that could quickly change just like the the advent of AI has quickly changed um, what everybody's concerned about. And so I think that some of the examples I've seen are you know there's been a lot a long long running concern about making a politician or a world leader say something that is that that has warlike implications, right? If we could make Joe Biden say he's lo- announcing a war against Russia or something like that, like that yeah. would be pretty pretty concerning. And I think that there are still some giveaways that those types of video are not ready yet. If you watch like around the mouth for a manipulated video, it's just going to be off. And all the videos that we've debunked that were made with AI this past year, they just look really non-human around the mouth Mm -hmm. or around the hands. Like for whatever reason, AI is not good with replicating hands. In a way that yeah. is human-looking, okay, but that doesn't sound like the ha- the highest hurdle for them to overcome. Eventually, right. the technology yeah, right. will improve, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I also worry about you know, the point in the campaign where we have a very implicating video of somebody doing something concerning, important, what have you, and then the candidate themselves will just say that's that's manipulated with AI, and we can't, you know, how it's can tough you to say, yeah. Yeah. It, it really is um, something where digital forensics are going to come into play. And this is Mm -hmm. something that people um, work at universities and develop centers and like, they have these specialties. Does our complete staff have this specialty under their belt? No, because it's really quite technical. Uh, But we, we know we're sourcing up and we're going to those experts to help us figure out, has this audio been manipulated? Has this How is this photo or video transformed? Helping us learn more so that when we see material that is more convincing than what we're seeing right now, we're ready.
0: Yeah, we need
2: someone to create some AI that can determine whether something's AI.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's totally something that is being talked about. And I think there are programs that will do it. It's just that they can't really keep up with how quickly the technology is improving. So, you know, it's kind of like for people writing college papers, you know, your teacher is very interested in tools that they can use to tell whether it was created with chat GPT. Right. But, but those counter tools are also not perfect. And I think I've also, there's been some problems with, you know, falsely implicating people who wrote stories that were not created with chat GPT. And we just are in this murky point where, yeah the technology is here and the solutions are
0: yeah.
2: not. I'd be not like, at maybe, the same maybe I'm level. just a robotic writer and I just <laughs> my voice is just robotic. What what am I gonna do? <laughs> it's just craziest. I recently saw this video too. It was this AI video of Trump talk, like one of his speeches, they like made it in Spanish essentially. So like they translated it, basically have it come out as Spanish, then like manipulated his mouth and everything. So it like literally looks like he's did his entire speech in Spanish, which is just like, it was pretty funny, but also obviously frightening. So
3: there's just a lot. So if, if we were in that situation, we would look for Trump's recent video appearances, like appearances where there would be a video. And that's a big clue that, that is like something that you don't need a, you know, super college degree, advanced college degree to be able to say, this video, the original video is here. It was a month ago. It was a year ago. You can tell because there's this flag here and that flag there. And those five people in the background are also appearing in this AI version. So showing the work, showing the original version of a video, photo, tweet, what have you is very compelling evidence that something's been manipulated with AI. Mm -hmm. So that's one of their, you know, that's, That'd be my immediate response if I were fact-checking Trump all of yeah. a sudden speaking in Spanish at a rally. I would You'd also yeah, out, like,
2: just be like, come where on, was people. He? <laughs> Quick Google to be like, does Trump speak Spanish would probably even be a faster one, you know?
3: <laughs> I have another one that came up that was interesting with AI this year. And it was either an ad from, I'm in Florida, Governor DeSantis himself or a PAC. I don't remember who did the ad, but it was using trump's voice to speak out something he typed a truth social post, and it was just a very interesting case study of like well how do we rate this yeah because trump did write it you know we, what he tweeted is ver- you know verified right but he didn't say it and the campaign was using ai to manipulate trump's voice saying it and so yeah. I, i'm just since i have yeah. you i'm just kind of wondering like how does that make you feel mm.
2: Ooh. i mean i feel like yeah since he technically said it just like having it be voiced i don't know that i think the context and the words themselves are what i would care about and whether that's in a tweet form or whether that's something he said verbally it wouldn't necessarily matter to me but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I would almost want there to be like another meter with things like that, like where it's like to the meter of like, this is the actual content itself. You know, this is the the tweet that's being read out loud or the article or the quote or whatever it is. And then there's like almost branding needs to be changed on this. But like an AI meter of like, you know, how accurate like did this come from them or did this not come from them? Like what was used to generate that and also like timestamps on like if it were like say it were a snippet taken from a Trump rally on March 5th then it's like that very specific timestamp is shown so that people can you know understand where it's from and can like go back to it
2: yeah yeah as someone who like works with a lot of political ad
3: making I'm like it's kind of a good strategy to your point about the truth emitter, meter you know, it was definitely born to call out statements that are said, right? And we didn't foresee this era of AI and how big of a deal, like out of context videos would become. It does feel somewhat awkward to, to use half true in the context of a video. Like, what does that mean? You know? So I, I see your point. We ended up not rating that one, but just explaining how it was kind of a sign of campaign ethics to come.
1: Wait, no, that actually also is a an interesting point. We focus so much on campaign finance and like what that actually looks like, but we don't actually often talk about sort of the rules of engagement for how politicians can speak about each other or to each other, what they can, you know, sort of spew out. And I, I wonder if there's also like reform opportunity from like more of a policy perspective of figuring out a way of like what sort of stays between the lines and what you know, is a step too far. And I don't know how you'd enforce that and how that would like meet with like free speech. Like I can see that being like a huge obstacle and obviously don't want to like push down on free speech by any means, but it seems, you know, like I, maybe I'm just going on a tangent here, but like if someone used my voice for something, which is my likeness without my permission, would I not be able to sue for them using my likeness without my permission? So like I... I'm perplexed too as to like how even like that hacker, Desantis, was able to use that without whether it was created with AI or was genuinely just like taken like from a video. How that would be, you know,
3: kosher in some regard. I think that when we talked to experts about this, they were kind of split on the spectrum. Maybe like. You are, we are, which is like, it's not obvious misleading because it's what he said, but Mm -hmm. you would, one expert said, we would hope that candidates for higher office would hold themselves to a high ethical standard. And this person said, then again, I'm not naive about American politics. So I think it's going to be extremely tough to, to do anything about this or far worse period. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there's a lot more potential and people to be outraged and angry in the moment on the, you know, in the news cycle that some candidate is using AI to distort, it'll be a big story, but no, there really aren't consequences. Just like there haven't been tangible consequences beyond losing some votes, perhaps when you're just rampantly dishonest. It's not, you know, you brought up regulation and I just think in the US, I, I, (laughs) I would, I would set your, your hopes or expectations extremely low for being able to find common ground here.
2: There's so many gray areas and it's something I'm sure with time we'll continue to grapple with, but overall, just such an important conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and answering all of our questions and such an important time to do so and talk about all of this. So we really appreciate your time. Yeah.
3: I really am grateful for the invitation the fact is for everyone we have just a range of age and representation on our team and I just think that the more we can do to explain how we come to our conclusions the the reporting that goes into it and you know how we're tackling all these complexities with the next election year like I, I'm just so grateful to be able to talk about that whenever we can so thanks again for asking us to come on